and many world championships and many Olympic goals does Paul O'Donnell need to win to be the greatest sports person of all time in Ireland is there a number can we pick a number because he's going to do it OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB sports app the news round on off the ball with Gillette for an effortless finish to your day new Gillette labs razor with exfoliating bar this is news talk Welcome along to Wednesday Night's Off The Ball. It's Richie McCormack here with you until 10pm tonight. And we have a very busy show on the way for you tonight. Uh, the name of Israel Olatunde is deservedly everywhere today. We will hear from the man himself, his coach and journalist Cahal Dennehy, who is on the ground in Munich at what has been a brilliant European Athletics Championships so far for Ireland and certainly does have the scope to get even better over the coming days. Such is Israel's sprint to prominence over the last 24 hours. He has relegated the Republic of Ireland captain, Seamus Coleman, to second on the billing on tonight's show. That's quite an achievement in itself uh, for Israel. So we're going to be speaking to Seamus Coleman after half past seven tonight on Everton's start of the season, his hopes for it and indeed uh, his role within Stephen Kenny's Republic of Ireland squad and on top of that as well are Kylian Mbappe and Neymar involved in a blood feud in Paris we'll get the latest from Philippe Clare. the answer is possibly no they yeah, wanted to give you too much of a spoiler that's uh, during the football show after 9 o'clock tonight you can get in contact with us as ever on 53106 that's why a text it'll cost you 30 cent you can tweet us at off the ball tonight too delighted to say joining us in studio two nights in a row What's this all about? What a treat, Richie. Rona Mullins here and uh, in absentia joining us via the uh, the medium of online, the worldwide superhighway is Will O'Callaghan. Will, come in. Evening, gents. How are you getting on? How are you getting on? Is Hank there as well? Everybody wants to know as soon as you're working from home tonight. He is. He's uh, very quietly at my feet. We'll see if he can stay quiet for the next 27 minutes or so. That's always the challenge. Um, but yeah, I've thrown him a few treats at my feet and he's staying reasonably quiet so far he celebrated his first birthday recently so if he can't get mature after turning one I don't have much hope yeah that's pretty it's the same for babies if they can't mature after one year of age then you know there's no hope for them at all they're, just basically, up on them. they're basically doomed yeah you know what I mean you just have to cast them aside and move on with your life this is an interesting dynamic where you and Will from last night have essentially swapped positions it's like rotating front men is that a is that a common thing in the music industry I'm just the drummer I'm the continuity element of this band do you know it's, it's more like the Gallagher brothers do you know when a team is involved in European competition and they give like one goal like essentially one of us is Cuevian Gallagher and the other one is Alison Becker so right. you know we've got our cup keeper and we've got you know the regular Connor Garden lead keeper but like just from looking at the even the blurred background that Will has going on there uh, mm-hmm. without wanting to alienate people who are just listening to us on the radio Will's room is uh, much cleaner than mine so congratulations on that front Will you've got a dog with you there you've got a cleaner room I mean it's all good it's absolutely win-win. It is yeah, a win-win. I, I don't have kids coming around uh, making life more difficult to keep things nice and uh, clean in the background. Thankfully, I've just got the dog to contend with. So I'm not allowed uh, to give out about them on air, Will. I'm not allowed to give out about them on air. So thank oh, you. For I, can, I can give out about them for you. One hundred percent. No, thank you. And I, pre- I appreciate you stepping in to do that. That's what being sound is all about uh, here in Marconi Towers. Uh, Will, uh, we have to start off talking about Israel on Sunday, not because it's incumbent upon us, but because such has been his impressive rise to stardom. And it is stardom now because he's on the front page of every newspaper today. He's at the forefront of every website that you look at, news and sport. And it just shows what is possible for the people of Laos who, you know, despite their, you know, they might have their odds, you know, drawback to living in Laos. Uh, it being loud, first of all. I'm okay. joking, of course. Uh, but like, is there, an, is there a county in the country that punches above its weight in sporting terms and in cultural terms 
more than the Wee County. Well, Ronan can speak to that far more than me because he was on the committee that did the Mount Rushmore during COVID on Louth. And now potentially there's a very different look to the mountain, possibly in a few years' time, uh, depending on how Israel goes from here. But I kind of cast my mind back to almost exactly 24 hours ago when he went in the semi-final. And we were just coming off the back of the news round and you had said how impressively he had run to finish up in second place to qualify automatically. And Mm. I'm pretty sure even though the camera was new, you could hear Ronan and I looking at each other and gasping slightly going... That is incredibly impressive. And now we've got an athlete going through to a 100-metre final, which was an achievement in and of itself. And then to go and smash Hessian's record, which had been long-standing over the last 15 years, in the final itself and finishing in sixth position. And then I think everybody probably saw the interview with David Gillick on the TV not long after his final. And we're kind of taken in by the very genuine reaction from both men. I thought Gillick handed the interview brilliantly as well. You could feel a real kind of genuine emotion. And that's sometimes where you get the benefit of having an ex-athlete who's asking the questions at the side of the track as opposed to a journalist. And then I was watching our own interview with Israel earlier today, which you're playing some of it later on this hour, where he was chatting to Jer and to Owen along with his coach. And I just got the feeling this really authentic guy who his first thought once he got out of the mix zone was to ring his mum and to talk to her about how he'd done. And he spoke about how surprised he was in the stadium even after his semi-final when he looks up and just to double-check that he's actually true to the final. So um, he's come across remarkably well, quite aside from the blistering pace that we saw and people already turning around and saying, hey, you know what, if he's that fast at the tail end of 100 metres, because this guy potentially run 200 metres as well, and potentially we've got a big star here. I mean, we're going to talk a lot more about Rashid Adelecki later on um, with her 400 metres final later this evening. But, um, you know, potentially Israel could be a really, really big star. And I'm sure Ronan, all those in the town are very proud of his formative years coming through Dundalk there. Yeah, I think, should we split Dundalk in two? Is that the only I think that's, you know, to have such a dominant team, Football Globe in terms of League of Ireland football, you've had... Amy Broadhurst. Amy Broadhurst. You've had, uh, what you call it now, Israel Altunde has done remarkably well for you as well. you got down through the years in terms of sports. You've got Stephen Staunton in there, Gary Kelly. Uh, you throw in the course on top Rob of Carney. all that. And it's just, and Rob Kearney. Jimmy McGee. It's absolutely incredible stuff. Yeah. So it is. What a decorated, uh, decorated county, decorated town. But yeah, Israel's sort of, it's an overnight success story that's kind of been bubbling away in <clears throat> locally rather. And um, that is the thing which Will touched on there, how grounded he is amidst what must have been just the most incredible 24 hours of his life because the accelerated way the night develops, as is the format of these evenings where you're in your semi-final straight into the final and to put performances like that back to back and the sincerely genuine reaction he had that on one on one hand he's like palpably grateful for to be in this position but equally feels ready for it and like feels like he's a natural fit and deserving of the billing he's going to get so that's what struck me about this new raft or generation of athletes that while they're they're inherently grounded they've got aspirations in keeping with their ability and that bodes really well and it's been such a refreshing week on the track which we don't really often get um, in Irish athletics so it's been great. Yeah, we'll talk to Carl Dennehy about it in further depth later on. We caught up with him earlier because obviously he has an evening session of which Rashid Adelaki is part uh, tonight but he mentioned that Paul Hessian's Irish record from 2007 was achieved with a tailwind or sorry, a head, uh, yeah, tailwind, just tailwind. under the allowable mark. So it was like 1.9, uh, whereas two z- uh, dead is the cutoff mark. He was saying that if um, Israel had had that headwind behind him, he would have even clocked a time, because he has the calculators with which to do these kind of things, would have uh, ran a time much, much quicker than he even did last night. So it shows the scope 
uh, will that Israel has and it shows what's achievable from here because I know Rashid Adelecki's gone off and, and run in Texas and is on the NCAA scene over there and is performing brilliantly and but to show what's capable of an athlete who has to traverse from Dundalk to study in UCD and then to go and train in Tala as well. Like, it's a it's an awful load for a 20-year-old to have. Uh, but yeah. to be able to perform at a, at a you know elite championships like that is absolutely incredible stuff. Yeah, it's an interesting contrast you've drawn. It is very different where, in the case of Rashida Adelecki, she's basically picked out as a star very early on with the way that she went in European and World Junior and Youth competitions in recent seasons. So, therefore gets picked up and into the American college system very quickly. Um, it was intriguing and even I saw, just when it comes to Adelaki as well, about the amount of racing that she's done this year. And Kieran Cunningham, I think, was one of the first to point it out that her semi-final on Tuesday was her 48th race of this season. She was actually considering skipping the Europeans entirely because she was due to go on holidays in Mexico because she pretty much gets directly back into the college season once she goes back in for term next month. So she was looking for a bit of a break after a long season, but how thankful she must be to have extended it by a couple of weeks uh, to go from the Worlds directly to the Europeans in this case and to run in the final tonight. But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. This is a very different type of story. And in this case, and that's why I said about the formative years within Dundalk, a lot of time being spent there um, learning the tricks and the trades and was very, very keen to point out his entire team that they have to give a lot of um, thanks to his club all the way up who've developed the athlete that in many ways has kicked on since he went to UCD but still that kind of polishing of the diamond was after all the hard work that happened beforehand and it's just remarkable to see how much he's kicked on because you know realistically going into these championships I'm not sure if many of us thought we were going to have an Irish athlete in a 100 metres final whatever about an Irish athlete running remarkably well and finishing just outside the medals yeah brilliant stuff um, Will we shall start the news around sure why not and there is big news from the world of GA. the news around brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. The managerial merry-go-round keeps a turn and will, but not in the capital. No, Desi Farrell is going to stay as the Dublin football manager for two more seasons. been plenty of speculation after Dublin exited the championship at the All-Ireland semi-final stage for the second successive summer and also with the men from the capital dropping down to Division 2 for next year about what was going to happen at the end of Desi Farrell's three-year term. Well, he's been rubber-stamped for two more years than Nafina Clubman by the Dublin County Board this evening. Farrell, who of course won an All-Ireland medal as a player back in 1995, succeeded Jim Gavin in the role in 2019, led the dubs to a Sam Maguire success in his first season at the helm but the last two years have not been as successful as they would have hoped but he'll be hoping they can turn it around in 2023 seems like this was bound to happen but there were those rumours that uh, I think it was Declan Darcy was um, yeah. being linked with the Dublin job row and there was you know I think when he moved on to the Leinster gig there was a lot of oh okay maybe it will be Desi for another year but this is kind of giving him two years is certainly a stamp of approval it's not just we'll give you one we'll see how this goes it's for another two yeah interesting length of the tenure that's what struck me as well and interesting that the I suppose doubts which began to emanate around the Dublin setup and centrally an All-Ireland winning manager which is what he is but it, it came in very unique circumstances off the back of you know famously a five in a row and the notion that uh, it was a lockdown All-Ireland as well and perhaps that Dublin team was working a bit on muscle memory so latterly Desi's been able to put a stamp on the team but that's coincided with the raft of departures you know a change in dynamic in that dressing room and I don't know I, I get the sense this is more of a clean slate like it's not just a continuation of his first regime I think this is almost Desi Farrell's Dublin part two and 
perhaps being in Division 2 will give him an, or afford him an opportunity to, to blood a few more players or blood styles of play that perhaps haven't been open to him in terms of avenues thus far. So I think it's probably the right decision from a Dublin point of view and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Division 2 will though, as we've seen, has been a kind of a, you know, you can chum the waters fairly quickly there and a shark like Dublin and being in there, they can either become prey or they become, you know, the hunter fairly quickly and that will become evident, I think, in the first two or three matches there. Yeah, look, there's some decent teams there. I mean, I looked at Derry this year where I thought we were going to get promotion and who went on to an All-Ireland semi-final but were unable to um, get up out of that division after their defeat at home against Galway. Like, there are good teams in Division 2 for next season and Dublin certainly won't have it easy um, whatsoever. The thing about Dublin is maybe it's starting to come together somewhat for them. If we look at the semi-final performance and particularly the second half and the way that they came back at Kerry in that game will give a lot of hope to Dublin supporters. The one thing that really would concern, though, would be that without Conor Callaghan, they really lack a player to go in behind the defence and for them to be able to vary up the attack a bit um, I covered a few of their games during the summer including their quarter final against Cork which they won by double digits but you got the feeling during all the game that they didn't carry a particular goal threat which is very unusual of the Dublin over the last decade where they were so dangerous and so clinical genuinely when they got into those positions but um, this year particularly it shouldn't be a case of one player being able to wreck the system but um, without Conor Callaghan they looked a little bit more blunt in attack this time round and happy enough to just recycle the ball around the D and get points which makes them an easier team to defend against so I wonder if maybe Desi Farr will have a bit of a look at the tactics going into next season obviously they've been rocked by some of the really important players that have left in recent seasons and I still think that they miss players like Jack McCaffrey who were able to do something slightly different in their approach so be intriguing to see what their panel looks like going into this year and whether maybe they'll be refreshed after what was a pretty disappointing campaign for a 2022 all in all albeit they finished it a lot stronger than they started it. Be interested to hear from Dublin fans tonight, actually. Fight through on a six, but again, contact. Are you happy that Desi's staying on? Are you, you know, disappointed that he's staying on? Was a change necessary, do you feel? Uh, let us know. Give us a text or indeed a tweet. Um, you mentioned, uh, well, uh, Shane Walsh had been in, in talks, not only about a move to Kilmacud, but he'd also spoken about this to Tommy on the football show. He's given an update in the yeah, sense about his, his status or therefore. And his update is that there's no real update on it. He says that he's still waiting to hear more about his proposed transfer to Chemical Croaks. The 29-year-old Galway star forward says the switch from Kilcarran Clumburn to the current Dublin and Leinster club champions is ongoing and says he can understand that it's been a sensitive issue for his home club. Says he hasn't been home since the transfer request went in uh, because you might remember that the club reacted uh, quite angrily about the idea of him moving and saying that they could you know, potentially object against his move to Dublin as well. Walsh was named the GAGPA Player of the Month for July that's why he was speaking today and he added earlier that his life will now be in Dublin for the foreseeable future so he's studying in Dublin living in Dublin and his intention is to work in Dublin uh, once he qualifies I think he's hoping to become a PE teacher within the capital so it looks like by hook or by crook this transfer is going to happen as messy and as much as he's acknowledging there may well be a fallout at home from about this as well Yeah. Um, on two matters in Munich tonight as we mentioned it could well be another big night for an Irish sprinter at the European Championships yeah, Rashid Adelecki says she's excited to get the chance to run in this evening's 400 metres final at the European Championships in Munich. Her 49th race of the season, as I mentioned earlier, she qualified 7th fastest across the three semi-finals on Tuesday. Earlier, the Olympian Tom Barr, will he comfortably cruised into tomorrow's semi-finals of the 400 metres hurdles? He'll be back in action tomorrow morning after winning his heat, and he was 4th fastest overall. There was disappointment for Kate O'Connor, who should be in action around about now in the heptathlon, but unfortunately for her, she was forced to withdraw, picking up an injury on the day of the event Richie Thomas Barr is scarily ageless Rose, isn't he he's got the grey around the temples now but he's still 
Hmm. He's, still Thomas, he's still Thomas Parr, still a handsome dude who can still go uh, a decent clip in the 400 hurdles. Isn't there something so elemental about A to B sports in general? Like it, you get enraptured by it almost uh, more than than anything else. Like uh, you were there, I think, in Rio for the yeah. his four place finish, and it's one of the most like captivating moments. Like I, I appreciate he didn't medal, but you know, an, an incredible performance on the day, and as you said, kind of continues to. To perform at these at these major championships, but it's true of I- even the rowing. Like when you see Irish athletes really going tit for tat at the the very elite level in in that kind of manner, it it really strikes a chord. And I think that was true last night, and hopefully will be true later on as well. Yeah, fingers crossed. Two minutes past nine is when that final is due to take place. Although as we discovered last night, obviously events if they run on uh, late beforehand in the night, they can push things on a little bit later too. Uh, we got some reaction today here on OTB Sports. Will from the man of the moment. Yeah, um, we heard from Israel a bit earlier on. He was speaking on OTBAM. I know you're going to be playing um, quite a bit of the interview uh, later on in the hour as well. So I think our intention is to keep the powder dry on that ahead of uh, talking about it a bit later Don't on. Don't use up the A material, Will. <laughs> exactly. Just the B stuff. Exactly. Just keep, this, uh, this, is the bit, this is a compilation there you're going to hear for the next few seconds of Israel just saying, uh, and, uh, and <gasps> intakes a breath. So uh, just... Well, you'll keep the good stuff till later on, all right? Exactly. So therefore, I will tell you about what's happened with Mona McSherry then. She finished up in seventh place in the 50-meter breaststroke final at the European Championships in Rome just over an hour ago. The Sligo Olympian touched the wall in the end in 31.15 seconds, unable to improve on her time in qualifying for the medal race, which have been her attention ahead of today. McSherry, though, also reached the 200 meters breaststroke and the 100 meter breaststroke finals over the past week, where she finished in fifth and seventh place, respectively. A bit of history as well today with Kira McGing and Tanya Watson into the platform diving final. 21-year-old McGing was fifth overall this morning with Commonwealth Games finalist Watson, who was in action only last week at those games, finishing up in seventh in qualifying. And it'll be the first time ever that Ireland will have two divers in an international final. Ben Healy was in the podium position for quite a bit of the time trial earlier on, but finished up in sixth place overall in the end in Munich at the Europeans as well in the cycling. Kelly Murphy this morning was 15th in the women's event and Joanna Patterson finished up in 17th place. Uh, it's another big night tomorrow night for the League of Ireland and for Team Coefficient and for Shamrock Rovers in particular, I guess, who are in Europa League action. They've obviously been giving their match day minus one uh, press conferences today, Will. Yeah, they're training on the pitch in Budapest currently, but Shamrock Rovers boss Stephen Bradley spoke to us a little bit earlier on at the press conference, said he's not concerned by being described as a team that play an unpleasant British style of physical football by their Europa League playoff opponents. It was the Ferenc Varek sporting director who said yesterday um, that that was the description of their opponents ahead of tomorrow's first leg against the Hoops in Budapest. I thought that was my Stephen- quote. <laughs> yeah, it could well have been from Richie McCormick right. via the sporting director of Ferenc Varek. I've been feeding um, them lines, Will. It was interesting that the the local media also were asking Stephen Bradley when we were finished asking the first set of questions, you know, what's your description of Shamrock Rovers and what's your description of Ferran Varus? And I thought he was very clever talking about the four in a row Hungarian champions that he was saying, they're a good team and their biggest strength is that they're a team. Basically, I'm giving you zero quotes that you can use back against them for tomorrow. And he didn't bite at all when we asked him about the comments. He says he's paying little attention about the words coming out of the Ferran Varus camp. Yeah, it's a it's a really good opportunity for us. Um, we know it's a difficult game, but um, we've shown in the past um, over two legs we can be a match for anybody. So hopefully uh, tomorrow we can perform and, and bring it back to Tala. I don't want to dwell on those comments, but is that the best possible motivation for your team hearing something like that to go into a game? Because it's pretty disrespectful. Like I said, it doesn't interest me. Uh, his opinion doesn't interest me. We focused on what we came here to do. 
be focused on my game plan and uh, let's see where that takes us. Wow. There was a stoking of the embers there. Remind, actually, do you know, I, I remember being at a press conference out of the Ireland Switzerland <laughs> game, and it was was it Casper Schmeichel or somebody had given comments about the Ireland style of play, and I put them to Seamus Coleman to Mick McCarthy at the time, and their faces turned. So I can imagine how Stephen Bradley's natural reaction to those comments was uh, this afternoon. Uh, Rovers do have injury concerns, and this would play into not just. Uh, this Thursday, tomorrow night, which is a free hit to almost nothing, as, as Dan put it last night in the show. But they have a big game on Sunday and they'll worry about these players, certainly will. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a busy period for them. You take the last round against Scoopy, then going into the Derry game, now these two matches and the top-of-the-table clash with Dundalk sandwich in the middle. Quite a few of these players aren't going to be involved against Dundalk at the weekend and key players as well. It's Graham Burke, Simon Power, Ronan Finn. We knew that Roberto Lopez was already out and is out for a bit of a period. And then you've got Adamo Emakau is out as well. So that's a lengthy injury list uh, for that game in the Hungarian capital tomorrow. I think the one plus point I was talking to Dan about last night was that at least... Jack Burns seems to be coming back to an amount of fitness, but I think it's very unlikely after his cameo performance in the Brandywell last weekend that he'd be fully fit to play tomorrow. But particularly, you look at the amount of attacking players that are missing, um, some big blows there for Shamrock Rovers ahead of the game with Ferran Farris. Yeah, tomorrow evening is when we can look forward to all of that. Before we go, Will, news of a potential change of ownership at Manchester United. How much can we read into this? Yeah, look, I think Manchester United fans will be extremely hopeful. Uh, I don't know how many were taken in by Elon Musk's tweet last night claiming that he was going to purchase the club. It did big numbers. It did big engagement and then probably did a little bit less engagement. We went, oh, that was just a joke. Um, I'm definitely not buying them. Um, I'm stuck in the space <laughs> game. Uh, but the could be potentially be new owners. Look, it's according to a number of newspaper reports. I think the Athletic were possibly the first to break this in the early afternoon today. At least three consortiums are reportedly interested in buying Manchester United with the belief that the Glazer family could potentially accept a bid if it was around £6 billion, which would give them a substantial profit on when they bought the club a couple of decades ago. Um, it's also believed that there's an interest in potentially some of the consortiums purchasing if they can't get the club entirely lads will be to go for a minority stake if some of those parties were to get involved in the bidding and as a result as you can imagine Manchester United's stock price went up in the early afternoon when Wall Street opened earlier today so let's wait and see Yeah Ineos owner Jim Radcliffe also involved with Nice has been one of those prospective names mentioned in the press today we'll talk to Philippe Beauclair about that a little bit later on but Will thank you so much uh, for the news around this evening we'll let you get back to cleaning up those treats in and around Hank uh, Ronan as well thank you so much uh, for coming in for the news round up loud says he